Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon and welcome to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm your host, Ian Fisher, and we are recording today's episode, our first episode of 2018, on a frosty Thursday morning in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, My kids are out of school today. I don't know if a lot of you have your children home as well. We just shuffled them out the door in the last five minutes so that they wouldn't be running around uh, making a ton of noise uh, behind us. So it's definitely that time of year where things uh, slow down a little bit, but pick up at home, um, and we're trying to sort of gather everything and get ready. Um, As we arrive here at a new year, we're once again in a position to offer congratulations to those seniors who've already been admitted to their ED and EA schools, though I'm not sure how many of them are still listening. Uh, We can also provide a word of encouragement to those of you who are still working on your applications. Work hard, work fast, but keep working smart. You're almost there. And finally, we can give a reminder to those who are deferred or denied that there are many great schools out there for everyone. I'm delighted to have had the opportunity to attend the school that was actually seventh choice on my list. And though it came as hard news when I was in high school, it's opened up a remarkable set of opportunities uh, for me since then. But enough about the past. We're here in a new year, and that gives us the chance to look forward. In our final segment today, we'll talk all about financial aid awards and how and when they arrive. We'll also spend some time discussing schools with late admissions deadlines for those of you who may need to call an audible at this late date. But first, what we'd like to do is set some resolutions. Everybody's doing it. We're going to set some resolutions for 2018. So joining me to talk about how we can be better this year is my buddy from Los Angeles, former admission officer at USC, Olivia Sajadia. Welcome, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad that you're here. And I, what I love about this is that, so basically we got this segment that said we're going to do some resolutions. And you and I sort of thought about that in very different ways. And I, I liked your approach a lot. Um, I was sort of thinking about, well, if you're, a, if you're a senior, here's what you should be doing. If you're a junior, here's how to focus on this. And you were thinking a little bit more about um, wellness and categories and ways that people can sort of approach how they'll follow up in the new year. But since we typically give academic advice. Let's start in on that. And then we'll, we'll come uh, in the sort of second half of this segment to some of the stuff that you suggested, which I think is, is even better. Um, I want to think about, first of all, just younger students. What, what do you think for freshmen, sophomores, maybe even eighth graders, um, what are some things that they might be thinking about as it pertains to college admission for this year? How should they be thinking about setting goals? Absolutely. I think a big one to think about, especially for students early on in high school uh, or even approaching high school next year, is really thinking about course selection and thinking about what they can do to really challenge themselves academically, whether that be to take an honors or an AP class uh, in an area of interest. If they're already doing that this year, to think about maybe stepping that up and and doing even more of that in the next year uh, for sophomores, considering thinking about 
the approaching SAT or ACT, uh, starting to, to think about uh, test prep, um, how they're going to prepare for these exams. I think that just starting to think about those things and really doing that actively, setting aside some time, whether it be with family or with their counselor to think about the courses for the next year um, and maybe coming up with some sort of calendar or something like that in order to start thinking about uh, when these upcoming standardized tests. Yeah, I love that what what you just said there about doing this actively and like really approaching it more from an intentional point of view and perspective. You know, when people do resolutions where they sort of are on a diet, for example, they don't just say, well, I'm going to just see what kind of food is put in front of me and decide whether to eat it or not. Um, You know, they sort of make a decision like, here's how I'm going to approach this task um, for the next month or two. And they really sit down and come up with a plan. At least they do if they're going to be effective. And I like that idea of sort of sitting down proactively and really thinking about how to approach your classes for the coming year. What are some things that students might consider as they're choosing their courses um, for, for the fall? Or maybe even just thinking about a way of approaching their spring semester with a renewed sense of vigor. Absolutely. Well, we'll start with the the first one first. Um, I think it's always best as you're thinking about really challenging yourself academically to really spend some time thinking about the classes that really excite you the most, the ones, the classes that you enjoy going to. It's always best to start taking rigorous classes in those areas because if you're enjoying the class already, you're much more likely to do a little bit more studying for those classes, um, which you'll need to do in an honors or an AP or IB uh, advanced level. Um, so thinking about it that way, I think, can get you maybe even excited about taking some of these rigorous classes if you think, oh, gosh, well, I just love love taking history. Let's see what you know AP European history or AP US history might be like. Um, right. And when it comes to thinking about the the spring semester, again, you know, approaching it with thinking about reflecting on what how the fall semester was. A lot of setting resolutions, I think, comes from that really intentional reflection. So if fall semester went really well for you, that's wonderful. Think about what you did to make it so successful and really use that energy into the new year, into the spring semester. And if there were areas where you were struggling or classes where you were struggling, think about how you might have approached that fall semester again had you had all this experience. You have this opportunity to really do that in the spring, whether it be figuring out ways that you can get help in a certain class or spending extra time a couple days a week uh, to study, whatever the case may be. Just again, you know, really reflecting and and being intentional about what you're doing. Yeah, I think when you're in high school, there's this sort of feeling that it goes on forever and that you're going to be in high school forever. But in reality, it's Mm -hmm. over very quickly. And if you don't take this time to sort of pause and reflect and think about ways of approaching your your courses a little bit differently, or um, if you've done things right, if you've done things really well, thinking about what allowed you to do well and replicating that over the next semester. If you don't take time to do that, it's just going to sort of be gone um, and you're not going to have that opportunity to adjust. So it's a really good piece of advice, I think, to to take some time and reflect. Um, What about juniors? Juniors are now, juniors are the new seniors, right? Um, (laughs) You know, we're we're sort of seeing one class go through this process and now we've got a whole new class coming up um, as students start to think about hey, I'm going to be applying to college this year. Uh, What are some things that they should be focused on as far as their resolutions go? 
I think just recognizing that students who are juniors by the end of 2018, they're going to be seniors and really well into this college application process. And talking with a lot of seniors now, there's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety trying to finish last minute applications. And Mm -hmm. I think that if you recognize that at the end of this year, you're going to be, you want to be in the best position you can put yourself in. So I think starting to plan what your year is going to be like so that a year from now, when you are seniors, when you are applying, you're in a really good position to enjoy holiday time, enjoy the new year. And you're not scrambling to do things at the last minute, which I know a lot of seniors are doing right now. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, one thing that that's really important is a lot of our listeners out there are, are parents too. And you're probably listening to this as a parent, you're saying, I got to make sure that my son or daughter is on top of this college thing. But it might be helpful for you to set some resolutions for yourself as well, as it pertains to this process. So how much space are you going to give your child? Um, How much are you going to sort of nag them, for lack of a better term, or empower them to take ownership of the process? You know, to what degree are you providing support for them? Uh, How often are you going to recommend that they listen to this podcast? Uh, There's a lot of different ways of thinking about your approach to helping your student through this. Um, I found that the students that are most successful are the ones that are really empowered by their parents. They tend to do the best in terms of managing the process. Uh, they also tend to, I think, have the best results, the best outcomes uh, at the end of the process as well. Um, Olivia, is there anything that you think about uh, as it pertains to parents and, and how they should think about this coming year with their students applying to college this year? I think everything that you just said is is really wonderful and so true. I think that it's good for parents for you to feel like you have somewhat of a plan of what the next year is going to look like and sitting down with your student to get a sense of whether it be different things that they need to do in their junior year, whether it be visiting colleges, whether it be preparing for standardized tests, getting an understanding of when application deadlines are, just so you have, you feel you feel like you have the knowledge to really help your students should they come to you and ask you for uh, for help or for advice. But I absolutely mm-hmm. agree that the students who end up being the happiest are the ones who really take control because um, I think that that can allow them the space they need to, to get excited about all of it. Absolutely. Totally in agreement. So let's talk a little bit about students taking control. And, and, and I think it, it extends not only to college, but Um, or or to high school uh, and your academic work, but it really extends to every aspect of your life. And this is what I love when I I came to you about this segment. You sort of said you wanted to split it up into some different topic areas. Um, Did you want to introduce those those topic areas or or just sort of take them one at a time? I I think that I can just talk about, um, just give a sense of the different things I was thinking of when I think of resolutions. Um, So we covered the academics. I think... Uh, as important uh, are health resolutions, uh, relationship resolutions, and personal growth resolutions. Um, and I was thinking of those in, in terms of health. I think a lot of people start with uh, the idea that they're going to have a healthy new year. Um, and, you know, whether it be, you know, eating your fruits and veggies, all of that, sure, those are, those are great resolutions to have. I was thinking about it more in terms of making sure that students are getting enough sleep um, and really figuring out ways to manage stress. Um, I think getting enough sleep can really 
change your mindset about everything um, that you're approaching in the in the year. Understandably, it's not always going to be realistic for you to get eight to ten hours of sleep a night, but really starting out and figuring out maybe a couple days a week you're going to get more sleep. Um, maybe it is for managing stress. Maybe you're setting aside time for yourself to go on a run or play a sports game or, or whatever it is that do yoga, whatever it is that you do to be able to manage stress. And I think that especially for students um, in, in their junior year, they're approaching what could, can be a really stressful time in senior year. So starting to think about ways that they can really manage, um, figuring out how to manage stress, I think is going to be so meaningful. Yeah. Um, I, the sleep yeah. one I think is huge. And that's, that's one that, um, yeah, just too many students just don't sleep enough. And and I know there's a lot of homework and there are a lot of commitments and responsibilities. One of the things that I talk to families about when they ask which classes a student should take and how engaged they should be in their extracurricular activities is, when are you going to make time to sleep? Because it is so important for your mental growth and development, for your um, just overall health that you get some sleep. And so that might mean as a student that you have to set some hard boundaries where you say, I will be in bed every night by midnight, whether my homework is done or not, and I'm going to adjust accordingly so that I am always asleep, or 11, or 10, whatever it is that you need to set to get the sleep that you need to have. But it's really important, I think, to set some very specific guidelines around getting that kind of self-care going uh, so that you can support the other challenging things that you're doing. Um, Relationship Goals. I, th- I like that one a lot, too, uh, because I think that's something that students aren't often thinking about quite as intentionally at, at this age. Um, and high school is a time where you have all kinds of really different and interesting relationships. What are some thoughts there about how students can think about their relationship resolutions? I was thinking with this uh, a couple of different things. So one, spending time, maybe setting aside time to spend with your family if you're not already doing so. Just knowing that, especially if you're a little bit later in high school, you're going off to college soon, you're not necessarily going to have the same family dynamic of um, spending time yeah. with your family perhaps every day if that's what you're currently doing. Um, parents so are loving this right some- now. <laughs> the, the, the parents that are listening are loving hearing you say this right now. <laughs> It's It's like, yeah, go on. Preach, Olivia. (laughs) Um, And also spending time with friends because similarly, unless you're going off to college with all of your friends and classmates with you, it's going to be a different transition too. So I think that setting aside some time, whether it be making sure that you're having dinner with your family um, or seeing your friends uh, outside of school um, and then doing that, what I would love is if students did that device-free. And family, too. I think taking some time to set aside your phones or whatever it is and really spending active time together um, and having a conversation and enjoying each other's company. um, I think those are some pretty good goals. Yeah, they're great goals and and good things to practice just in general. Uh, I I think it's it's a a great way to set habits that are going to be helpful when you start meeting people in college. And, um, you know, those are new relationships that you have to develop. You're living around people full time, going to class together. There's independence. The more you can practice that in high school, um, the better off you're going to be when you get to that college age. Um, What about um, relationships with teachers, Uh, especially for juniors? Juniors are often going to have letters of recommendation coming from their teachers. But is there any thought about how students might think about their interactions with 
um, teachers and administrators at their schools. Definitely. As the daughter of a high school English teacher uh, who is currently writing boatloads of recommendation letters, I can tell you how really just what seem like simple things can be really meaningful. So spending the time to, if you know you're going to ask a teacher for a letter of recommendation, thinking about figuring out who those teachers are at the end of your, by the end of your junior year and really sending them an email or or talking with them in person about why you've chosen them to, to write those letters. And then always please follow up with some sort of, first of all, a thank you, because a lot of them are spending their own time to write these letters of recommendation and also letting them know what the decisions are ultimately too. And I think students can oftentimes forget to do that in the excitement of getting into college that, you know, that that they're excited about. They can forget to let the teacher know who wrote these letters of recommendation, uh, what those ultimate decisions are, um, I think can really be meaningful for the teachers as well. Totally agree. I think that, that that's all really important. And you're going to find that you do better in your classes when you're engaging more with your teachers as well. I mean, it's just, it, it's all really helpful stuff. Um, we've got a little bit more time. Um, I want to talk a little bit about personal growth. Uh, I like that idea. Um, what, what are some goals that students can set as far as personal growth is concerned? I like, I added this one in just because it's my own personal resolution this year is uh, picking up a new hobby. I think that for some students, especially early on in high school, you might still be figuring out what, what you're interested in doing. So it might be that you decide this year you're going to join a new club that has always seemed interesting to you, but maybe you haven't joined. Or you say, oh, you know, I've always really wanted to take a a certain class, whatever it is, to just do something really for yourself that allows you to further explore what interests you have. Because as you apply to college down the line, there's going to be a lot of uh, self-reflection and a lot of ability for you to, to discuss the different things that you really are interested in. So really taking the time to explore what those are, and you might find that you don't love the club that you thought you might or a club, you know, you might love something that you didn't think about. And high school is the perfect time to start exploring these areas of interest. So um, I think that that's what I was thinking of with, with some personal growth. I think that's, that's perfect. Um, there are so many different ways of, of approaching that question. I think all the questions associated with these resolutions and, you know, as with, any type of resolution, I think you're going to have the most success if you sit down, think about it, write it out, come up with some action items. Uh, but it's a great opportunity, I think, as you're in this winter break to, to do that with some intentionality and, and it'll prove fruitful. Um, thank you very much, Olivia, for, for coming on the show and, and talking to us a little bit about resolutions. Uh, we didn't get to talk about our personal resolutions, but I think that's probably okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm glad that you came on the show today. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. All right, folks, when we come back, we're going to roll on over to those schools that have some later admissions deadlines. You won't want to miss that. Don't go away. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. We had planned today to talk a little bit about applying to colleges a little bit late. Uh, There are a lot of schools out there that have some deadlines after January 1st, and students should be able to look at those and and find some schools that are going to be a really great fit for them. But we thought it would be really interesting, um, especially given some of the email chatter that's happening with our college coach listserv today, to talk about some things that are happening, especially with the University of Michigan. And joining me to talk about the University of Michigan and some other really highly selective schools in their early process is my knight in shining armor, Tova Tolman. Hey, Tova. My favorite introduction. Thank you, Ian. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. And I, so I was just out, of a, out on vacation for two days and I came back. And when I came back, I had a... 20 email chain plus uh, from our team about the University of Michigan. Uh, do you want to do you want to give a summary of sort of what what we are talking about in that discussion? Um, sure. And and what sort of our our thoughts are, our reactions about what's happening with with UM and and potentially other schools? Absolutely. Well, I think the the summary is is in the way you premised it with the idea that 
University of Michigan belongs in the same breath as and other highly selective schools. I think they have right. proven themselves this year that uh, their University of Michigan is no one safety school. And not even that, it, it doesn't even seem to belong in anyone's sort of match category. We saw student after student after student in our in our caseloads that we work with, with near-perfect testing, near-perfect grades, all getting deferred to the regular decision pool after applying early action. And there was a lot of surprise on our team of, wow, these are students we thought would be a shoo-in for any of the programs at Michigan, not just perhaps the more competitive business programs, but even being deferred from their School of Arts and Science. Right, right. And so, you know, we're seeing, you know, 1,500 plus SATs, straight A's, uh, 34 ACTs, straight A's, students that are being deferred. And, and some of those students are applying to the Ross School of Business, which we'd expect to be a little bit more selective, but also to the College of um, uh, Letters and Sciences or, or the, the, um, the school that has the, the more general liberal arts and sciences. Um, so, is, you know, this is something that Michigan's always been a little bit of a head scratcher for us um, mm. because of their deferrals in the past. Uh, you know, they get a huge volume of, of applications. If you're listening to this, I mean, some percentage, high percentage of our listeners apply to Michigan. Um, I think Michigan is the single school that we send the most applications from our college coach co- cohort as well. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a, a pretty large sample size there. Um, but what does this all mean for students well, who want to include Michigan in their process? Yeah, I think that's a fair question, and I really want to immediately stop any panic from happening. I could just imagine someone listening and thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I, I'm I, never getting it anywhere. And I think what's really important to remember is that Michigan has a crazy large pool of applications, and they're not so shy about admitting that fact that some years they just don't get to all of the early action applications in time for a decision. And some are just flat out deferred to the regular decision pool because they didn't have a chance to look at it. And they're going to circle back when they get to the regular decision pool. And there's absolutely nothing to be read into the fact that the student was deferred. So I think that that's some of what's going on here, especially a year after where they over-enrolled a bit last year and have created a new program for students specifically coming from Michigan that they're trying to make sure that they save a little room for. So I, I don't think all of this is coming from, oh, goodness, Michigan is just that much more selective this year. There, there's some of that there, too. But I, I think it's important that everyone not panic and, and make too many assumptions about this right. deferral. Right. And I, I think, think that, that there are you, some other pieces there. Go on, if, Ian. We'll, well, we'll, we'll share say, some of the other pieces. If you listen to the conversation, I mean, you might just say, wow, 1,500 plus all straight A's not getting into Michigan. But we're, you know, we don't want to say here that those students are not getting in. We're saying that they're not being offered admission in the early round. And right. it's really important to understand the ways that different schools are going to use their early process differently. Um, if you look at like a Northwestern or a Duke that has their early decision process, Those are two schools that admit close to half their class early decision. Um, And and that means that the admissions rate for students who apply ED is quite a bit higher than the admissions rate for students who apply RD. Um, Yale had about a 14% admissions rate for early action this year, which is much, much higher than their, you know, six or 7% overall admission rate. 
With Michigan, what they're doing with early action is they're playing, they're holding their cards a little closer to the chest because they assume that they're going to have more students who are high quality students who will accept their offer in the regular round. And so they don't need to be quite as permissive, for lack of another word, or or less selective in early action as they would be um, if they were worried about their enrollment numbers. Uh, does that sort of does that make sense to you, Tova? I mean, that, we're sort of interpreting this in real time. We've actually got some of our colleagues are responding to this email chain as right we're now. Having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. going to fill everyone um, in on what's which is a what's wonderful thing about college coach is that we've got so many different educators from Hawaii to New York and and New England who have students who are applying to schools, and so we can compare notes across all of our different students and what their strengths and weaknesses are and trends that we're observing. But you know, is, is that something that is consistent with what you see? You know, it, it really is. I think especially at some of these larger schools that are trying to get a handle on who is likeliest to enroll. Uh, we can't continue going on admitting everyone at a certain point. We need to get a, a better sense on who's going to accept our offer of admission. And the last three emails that have just come in, in literally the last two minutes from our team are essentially pointing to the students that have gotten in in their pools have done some sort of thing to demonstrate interest. They have taken a tour. They've been on a visit on campus. And uh, schools are trying to suss out, hey, who's going to accept our offer, taking the effort to visit that campus, reaching out to an admission officer, letting them know or indicating in some way or another that I'm likely to accept your offer of admission uh, is something that is going to perhaps move the needle moving forward, even at these big state schools. Yeah, which is which is not something that we typically talk about. Um, you know, University of California system they don't they don't track interest. They just say, hey, a tour is leaving at this time. Show up if you want to be on it, um, or maybe sign up so that we don't have we're not too full. But you might see these schools that are starting to track interest more. Michigan is a school that, for a supplement, has a fairly long. Why do you Why did you choose the specific college that you've chosen? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's that's a supplement that I think. You don't see a lot of for larger public schools that are, are similar to that. It tends to be very specific. And, then it, you know, I would say that students really need to be committed uh, to that essay, especially it doesn't mean it's going to clinch the deal. But that's that is an element of demonstrated interest as well is, is showing a real clear knowledge of the institution. Um, are there other tips for how students might approach an application uh, to a school like this, when we were talking about Michigan, to Michigan, that, that would be useful for parents of juniors that are listening for next year? Sure. You know, I think something we've talked about a lot on this show and on our blog is being specific, you know, getting really into the nitty-gritty details of why that school. Uh, is it going to pass a thumb test? If I covered up Michigan or Ross or LSA everywhere in this essay, is it still clear to Michigan that this essay yeah. is about Michigan? And being specific, you know, as you're a junior, looking into your research, trying to identify, why do I like this school? If you guys go on a, on a tour this spring break as, as your juniors are starting to explore and your student says, wow, I really like this school, force them to articulate three reasons as to why. What was it about that school that you really liked? And that's going to really help them down the road when it comes time to articulating why I want to go to your school versus that school versus the other school down the street. 
Yeah, and that's actually something that I have my juniors do really early in this process is we, we just choose five schools together. And, um, you know, maybe let's say one's Michigan, one's UNC Chapel Hill, one is UC Berkeley, and then we've got like a, a Swarthmore and a Grinnell in the mix for liberal arts colleges. What I ask students to do is go do a little bit of research online and then come up with three uh, sort of phrases or sentences that they would use to describe each school that they can't also use for the other four schools. So you wouldn't say for Michigan, large public university with a great football team, because that's also mm-hmm. going to describe uh, University of California, Berkeley, right? So you want to try and figure out a way to differentiate these schools, even among their peers. And, you know, everybody wants to feel special. Colleges are no different. <laughs> they want to feel like you've picked <laughs> them out for a reason that makes sense. And, and you know, thinking about it as, as a love letter where you really identify the qualities of the school that fit you is a smart strategy for approaching that kind of stuff. Um, Tova, what, what should students do if they were deferred, uh, to the, to the University of Michigan? I mean, we've talked in the past, I know you were on the show a couple of weeks ago to talk to, Mm -hmm. to Sally about deferrals in general, how to approach it. Is there something different about either your mental approach to being deferred, uh, EA at (laughs) Michigan, or even the physical approach, what you might send in and, uh, you know, follow up with? Sure. I, you know, I'd say instead of repeating all of that conversation, because you know, we spent a good 15 minutes or more going into the details, I'd link it back to your original thought for this segment is what schools do still have deadlines that haven't come up yet? You know, how do we find schools that have either rolling deadlines or deadlines out through the rest of the winter? So let's say you reevaluate your list and you realize, you know what? Michigan was my safety. That was the school that I was for sure counting on getting into. And here I am deferred, really with not a clear understanding of what's going to happen. Maybe it is time to add another school or two onto my list. And uh, there are some great tools out there. Common App actually has a search tool where you can search by deadline and it will allow you to see who is still accepting applications uh, besides January 1, which is the majority of schools that are still accepting applications through. Plenty of schools have regular decision deadlines through January 15th. And then there are loads of schools out there that accept students on a rolling basis throughout the entire spring as space remains. Uh, so that's certainly something to consider. I wouldn't go crazy adding now 20 no. new schools to your list, certainly. Right. But to consider if, if you did lose out on your one safety, looking to see, huh, is there one or two more? Oh, is there one more school, maybe two more schools I could add to balance out that uh, really heavy reaching list? It's not a bad idea. Yeah, and among schools that, that start with the word university, uh, which tend yeah. to be the bigger public schools, you've got Colorado Boulder, um, Connecticut, Delaware, University of Denver, uh, UMass Amherst, University of Oregon, all of their applications are due on January 15th, UNC Chapel Hill. So those are schools where you've still got 11 days after this air date uh, where you could get an application in, some, some of which are, are less selective than Michigan. I think all of which are less selective than Michigan. So, you know, for some students, there might be a reorientation of how you think about Michigan, whether it's a safety or not. If you were thinking about it as your safety, you need to rethink that, period, no matter who you are. If you didn't get in, it can't be your safety because of the level of selectivity we're seeing now with Michigan. Um, but that doesn't mean that if you were deferred, you're not going to get in. It just means that we want to figure out a way to give you a variety of different options to choose from in the spring. That's important when we talk about award letters, which is coming up in the next segment. But it's also just important, I think, in terms of peace of mind that you have as you approach the process. 
Does that sound like good advice to you, Tova? I think that sounds like great advice, Ian. Perfect. Um, well, I want to thank you for coming to join us on your catch-up day. We, we yeah. certainly did relish your presence here. Um, oh, and I don't oh, have the time Lord. to come up with a mustard pun. So <laughs> we'll just go ahead and leave it at that. <laughs> thank you so while much. You're ahead, please. I'll quit while I'm ahead or behind, depending on how you feel about puns. Um, I hope you have a, a great holiday with your family. Thanks, Tova. You too. All right, folks, we are going to talk about financial aid awards, as I hinted uh, when we returned. Everyone loves a good award, so don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Thank you for coming. Thanks for fielding that curveball with me. Uh, talk about the University of Michigan. I thought that that was a, a really great opportunity to help 
um, some of our listeners to better understand that process. Uh, before we dive into our final finance segment today, I want to do just a little bit of housekeeping. Since we're in the new year, we might have some new listeners. Maybe your resolution is to listen to this podcast more. Good for you. Uh, but if you're new, um, we got some requests for you. Uh, first, if you've enjoyed this podcast in the past, or if you like what you've heard so far, we'd love if you can give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you download your pods. And if you're not so tech savvy, you don't love to leave a rating, maybe tell a friend about us. Uh, we're providing great content here every single week, or at least we think so. And we'd love to reach as large an audience as possible. Second, if you have questions for us, you can always send those to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Your questions will help dictate the direction of future episodes. So please send them along as they arise and, and don't be shy. Uh, finally, I would be remiss if I didn't mention our terrific blog as we close out this year or, or begin a new one. Uh, you can find it at blog.getintocollege.com, and it's got great useful content. Just this week, we posted a piece on the effects of the tax bill on families and colleges and another piece on what to do if you're deferred. So timely stuff indeed. Go ahead and pause the show, follow up on those action items, and we'll be here when you come back. Okay, welcome back. I'd like to welcome my final guest of the day, a first-time guest on the show, former financial aid officer at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and an expert in lending and awards, Michelle Richardson. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Ian. And this is this is your first time uh, as a guest on the show, right? That is correct. That is correct. Awesome. We're so lucky to have you. And let's well, I'm sort very of get excited into to be the, here. Get into the holiday spirit. Um, we are, you know, recording this in the end of December, and so there's some packages under the tree, and we want to talk a little bit about financial packages and award letters in that spirit. So let's just start with a big question that can help people like me who are not finance experts to understand this better. What are award letters or financial aid packages? Award letters or financial aid packages, both terms are, are heavily used, um, are typically notifications that include a summary of grants, scholarships, loans, and work-study awards that are issued by the federal government, the state in which the student lives, and the college itself. Um, award letters can include tuition and fee charges. They can also include room and board charges, and these are often referred to as direct costs because they are directly billed from the college to the, the student. And um, also on the award letter, uh, some colleges will also include the indirect cost, the cost that it would tend, the, it, the cost that it would cost the student to attend Mm -hmm. that are indirect, which are not billed by the school, such as books, supplies, and transportation expenses. And um, the purpose of the award letter is really to inform students and their families of the true cost or the net cost of attending that specific college. Gotcha. So usually you think about award letter, it's how much money are they giving me? But, but there's actually information in there about not only what the award is, but also the expected cost. And, and that should help families to see a little bit about what those differences look like. Um, so what, when do students and families receive the award letter? I think this is one of the biggest questions because students apply and they say, well, I want to see what kind of awards I get to know what it's going to cost. Um, but you got to know when that's coming out. So wh when does that typically become available? 
Well, for most families, it never comes out soon enough, quite honestly. Um, (laughs) Much like the admission process, this, you know, waiting for the financial aid package can be somewhat of an anxious time for both the students and the families, especially if um, the cost of attending that institution is part of their decision-making process. And, you know, merit-based scholarships are typically uh, included with the college acceptance notification, Um, but award letters take more time to process because the college and university financial aid offices have to utilize the information that is required on the financial aid applications. Uh, Families who are applying for financial aid need to complete at least one financial aid application. A very common one is known as the FAFSA, um, F-A-F-S-A. Some other colleges require an additional financial aid application called the CSS profile. Um, So typically, because it does take time for the institutions to process those applications once the students are accepted, families can expect to receive their financial aid awards typically in March or April uh, in time for them to make their final decision in the college selection process, which is typically May 1st. Um, However, students may see those award letters earlier uh, as they opened up the applications in October 1st uh, compared to January 1st. So families may be receiving them earlier this year. Wonderful. Great. So whether you receive them earlier, a little bit later than you want, they're going to get there uh, eventually. If you fill out your your forms um, and 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 provide the information to colleges, you're going to get that letter. So it arrives on your doorstep, in your mailbox, uh, maybe in your email. What what is it that a family should be looking for when they get these award letters? Uh, that's a great question. Um, first of all, there's no standard format for the award letters. So one of the things that families really need to be careful and, and look for is uh, w- looking at the letters and, and comparing apples to apples. And so it can be a little bit challenging and difficult for the students to kind of determine, okay, how much was I awarded? Um, like I said earlier, some schools will include the expenses, whether they're di- indirectly billed or directly billed. Um, some colleges won't. Uh, as you know, in higher education, uh, we tend to use acronyms all the time, and award letters are, are no different. Um, oftentimes, some award letters, when they're generated, can look a little cryptic and include acronyms such as EFC, which stands for Estimated Family Contribution, or PLUS, which is the acronym for Parent Loan for Undergraduate Students, or SUB, and I'm not talking about a sandwich. Um, I'm talking (laughs) about a subsidized federal direct loan. So the list can go on. Uh, Really, the family needs to be mindful of what awards that are listed on the letter are free money, which is money we all love because you don't have to pay that back. So being aware of what awards are grants and scholarships uh, versus loans, which is money that we do have to pay back, and award letters um, typically include both, and uh, award letters never 
uh, or they rarely highlight the terms and conditions of the loans offered. So if families see uh, plus LN on an award letter, that means that the school awarded that family a parent plus loan. And so uh, families just really need to be careful and mindful when interpreting and comparing award letters to make sure that they're looking at, okay, if I received a $10,000 grant at this institution, uh, did I receive a similar grant or gift aid award at another institution? So when they're comparing apples to apples. Great. That's all really helpful. And I think especially the, the loans versus grants piece, you know, you just sort of look at those dollar amounts and it looks like gifts, but, th- you know, there's, there are very different terms that are applied to those different things. So what are the next steps? You've got your letter. You've listened to Michelle's excellent advice on the radio show. And so you know about those differences. You know what you're supposed to be looking for. Then what happens? How do you act on this? Or, or are there things that you need to do right away? Yep, that's a that's another great question. So, um, one of the first things most families are going to do is compare the award letters. And again, you want to see if one type of aid is offered at one institution and not at another. And be very careful and mindful of looking at that cost of attendance. Uh, so, like I said, some colleges may look less expensive, but that might be just because they included the tuition and fees and room and board on the award letter, and they didn't include the other items that are included in the total cost of attendance to attend that institution. Um, parents and fan- uh, students also want to be mindful that if Families are awarded grants and scholarships from the institution themselves to ask and see if the grants and scholarships that they're being awarded as a freshman are renewable. Um, Sometimes colleges may front load. uh, That's called front loading, and they will award more grants and scholarships uh, in the freshman year, and there may be expectations such as a GPA requirement um, Mm. in order for that grant or scholarship to continue in subsequent years. Um, Families also should be aware that some award letters may only offer financing options. So they may only include a federal direct loan or a parent plus loan, um, while other schools may not list loans on the award letter at all. Honestly, most of them do because they want to show the families that they do have some options to pay for college. Um, and again, be very mindful. You might find, going back to us referring to the PLUS loan, some institutions will package a parent PLUS loan on an award letter while others won't. So if you're just looking at the bottom line, um, it may look like one college is, is offering you and awarding you more financial aid, but it's really only loan aid, and, and, and it's a parent plus loan and understanding the implications of that. Um, once families and students get their award letter, typically it will direct them. They will have to accept or decline the financial aid package, and you don't have to accept or decline everything. Um, basically, families have the opportunity to decline any financial aid, including 
student loans if they choose not to borrow. They can also decline work study if they determined that maybe they decided that they didn't want their son or daughter to work during their first year in college, and they changed their mind there. Uh, Schools typically will require documentation in writing that the family has declined some financial aid offerings, and um, schools may also include additional requirements to receive the aid offered. So, for example, if students are awarded a federal direct loan, uh, those students are required to complete entrance counseling through the U.S. Department of Education, and they're also expected to complete a master promissory note in order to receive those funds and understand the implications of of borrowing those funds. So they may uh, direct uh, the students to additional requirements to, to receive the aid. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I didn't know about that. And the, on the work study front, I mean, I think work study tends to be pretty good. I mean, I, I remember students that would work in the sports center, basically just doing laundry and checking out sports equipment uh, for part of doing their homework while they did that working at the library. It's a great way to get to know a campus. So I'd put in a little plug for work study if that's a part of your package. Um, Michelle, you wanted to make one final note just about private scholarships. Um, in in the little time that we have left. What is it that students need to do with private scholarships? Well, if a student is awarded an outside or a private scholarship, um, it's their responsibility to inform the college's financial aid office. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're not going to be aware of that outside award unless the student informs them. And Federal regulations require the college to reduce any need-based financial aid eligibility uh, when students receive an outside outside scholarship. So that's one thing that sometimes families uh, may forget. So uh, the college isn't going to know what you don't tell them. So if you are um, and you receive an outside or a private scholarship, make sure that you inform your financial aid office. That's great. I, lo- I love that's all really awesome information and a great uh, sort of start to the conversation about financial aid. We come back in February. We've got a couple of shows back to back, one on appealing financial aid and one on scholarship negotiations. So I would definitely recommend you subscribe to our show so that you can hear those episodes um, February 1st and 8th. Uh, Michelle, I want to thank you for coming on and, and working through the awards with us. Uh, it's really great. And you did an awesome job for your first time on the show. We'd love to have you back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. Great. Happy New Year to you. Um, And that does it for getting in. Uh, We are off to a great start, I think, for 2018. Um, We've been doing this show for, I don't know, two or three years. Time flies. And uh, we really appreciate you all as listeners. We've really enjoyed giving you admission and financial aid advice. And we're looking forward to another great year. So Happy New Year to all of you. um, And thank you very, very much. Uh, for your continued listening to the show. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.